Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. It has been a pretty crazy two weeks for us since uh, we put up the Donnie Vincent show. Yeah, I think there, there's probably quite a lot of new listeners. So welcome to yeah, everybody so welcome. who's new. And uh, uh, thank you to everyone who has always listened. Yeah, welcome. I think we've now got a huge amount of American listeners. Yeah, which is great. Well, we did have some before. Colin, you'll always be the first, so don't worry. <laughs> yes. Um, now, we are not going to delay in getting to the first item um, because here in the UK and particularly in Scotland, we will be introducing some new air gun licensing laws imminently. And it is very important for everybody concerned, if you own an air, uh, an air gun of any description, that you are aware of these. So we're going to cut straight to Alex, who is the director of SACS who, of course, are the sponsor of this podcast, the Scottish Association for Country Sports. And we're going to hear what he has to say about the air gun licensing and everything that you need to know. So listen up. It's a really concise way to learn what you need to know. So listen up. And then we've got more stuff for you after this. uh, We're at the Northern Shooting Show. Yeah. So listen up for now, and then you'll hear from us again just shortly. Morning, Alex. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we've had a lot of requests talking about uh, air guns and people not very sure what's happening in Scotland, what they need to do. Um, you're going to provide us with a summary of what everyone needs to know, because I know you've been working on this a huge amount uh, over the last uh, last few months, and particularly in the last couple of weeks. If we just start off with, I'm an air gun owner, I've got air guns in my house, uh, I'm a law-abiding citizen, what do I need to do? Uh, do? What do I need to do next? Okay, first of all, there's the current surrender scheme in place, and we're hopeful that most people wouldn't use that and actually apply for an air weapon certificate, as they call it, uh, regardless. Basically, air gun, air gun owners who do not intend to surrender the air guns and do not hold a firearm or shotgun certificate will be required by law to apply for an air gun certificate prior to the 31st of December 2016. However, in reality, you'll need to apply before the 1st of November this year, and I'll explain why as a wee quirk in the the legislation that we've spotted. Basically, if by the 1st of January 2017, a decision to grant you an air gun certificate has not been determined, and you submitted your application before the 1st of November, you're still permitted to possess your air guns until the final decision. You're not allowed to use them or to buy more, but you're allowed to possess if you submitted after the 1st of November, you might be asked to store them off-site with a friend or an RFD. Okay. So that, that would be more hassle. From the 1st of January 2017, most air gunners will now have to have an air gun certificate to possess, use, purchase or acquire an air gun in Scotland. They call it an air weapon certificate in legislation, but we all know that air guns aren't weapons. For over-18s, an air gun certificate will cost £72. Having a firearm or shotgun certificate in Scotland or elsewhere in GB will allow you to possess and use air guns in Scotland until your next renewal. At that point, you'll then have to apply for an air weapon certificate, or an air gun certificate as we call it, at a much reduced fee of just £5 as opposed to the normal £72. So for, and also, for simplicity, your, your, your certificate, if it's um, coming in line with your FEC and or SGC, will be given the same renewal date to make it tri-terminus or co-terminus, whichever is relevant. Okay. Now, this is important. 
Vuan FEC or SGC will cover you in the short term to possess and use air guns until your next renewal. It doesn't cover you to buy or acquire another air gun, in which case you will then need to apply for an air gun certificate anyway. There are a few exemptions to air gun licensing where you wouldn't need a certificate, for example, borrowing under supervision or borrowing air guns as an approved club. But most people from the 31st of December will need to have an air gun certificate. Okay. No, I think that uh, if anybody didn't quite catch that, they can rewind and listen to exactly what yep, you said again. That's the and beauty of it. I believe that uh, you're going to provide a question and answer document uh, available on SAC's Facebook and we'll work out a way to uh, let people download that as well. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a distillation of the various bits of information we've been putting out through Scottish Government, the police ourselves, bring it all together into one fairly easily readable document that, that informs people as best we can in terms of what's happening and when it's happening. That's perfect. There's, we quite, will... a lot of confu- Sorry, There's quite a lot of confusion out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's important that we get the information across in a really lucid, clear way. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, um, at the end of this, we will let everybody know exactly how they can get hold of this information. Um, That's great. So on to the next thing. Uh, we are right in the middle of uh, what they're calling the, the air gun amnesty right now. I know that there's a lot of guns uh, being handed so you, in already. You see the pictures on Facebook already of the, the police stations yep. uh, with a huge amount of um, air, air guns handed in. Now, I mean, what's your view on the amnesty right now? I know uh, my brother and I have discussed it, and our personal view is that, uh, amongst other things, it's far too short. Yes, far too short, it's at the wrong time, and it's been done the wrong way. Um, and we actually feel it's been done for political expedience rather than practical um, effect. So we, we don't support the current uh, air gun uh, amnesty, as the press are calling it. One, because it's not an amnesty. If you are lawfully in possession of an air gun right now, it can't possibly be an amnesty. So it's simply a surrender scheme. So the press has got this well wrong. It's a very short scheme, and it comes to an end on the 12th of June, so 23rd of March, uh, May, sorry, until the 12th of June. The applications for air gun certificates will start from the 1st of July, so that we feel this is a simply a publicity gimmick by Scottish Government. The truth is that over the next few months, air gun owners need to decide whether they want to apply for a certificate or dispose of the guns somehow. We strongly recommend that everyone who possibly can applies for an air gun certificate. However, if there's genuine need to dispose of an air gun, then you can take it to a gun shop or an air gun club rather than just hand it into the police to be photographed for PR reasons and then cut up a scrap. Mm. Remember, there's no compensation as, as this is not a ban, it's licensing. So our advice is either keep it and get it licensed, uh, a certificated, um, or you can um, hand it into an air gun club or an RFD and, and make something out of it. From the 1st of January 2017, the air gun legislation will come into full force. After that date, any air gun owners without a certificate or permit could face a fine or imprisonment of potentially up to two years. So it's really quite serious stuff. Mm, yeah, so it's very important that people do pay attention to what's going on right now. And uh, like you said, I mean, I'd much rather people decide that they they don't want to go down the route of licensing air, air guns that they have. And I would encourage people to do that, as, as indeed you have, is hand it to somebody who's going to make use of it, who is going to license it. Air Gun Club is a great place to, to put it if, if, if you don't want it. I, I feel sorry for probably the huge amount of parents or grandparents that have air rifles 
maybe tucked away in their loft that they don't know about in two years time they're digging it out and they've got got an air rifle in their their loft mm. there must be loads out there well we we feel strongly that the, the bulk of the population hasn't got a clue one that air gun licensing is coming in and secondly what to do about it and we, I, I know many people that have air guns in sheds we, we know we all know them in attics or whatever some with the springs broken some that you've been forgotten about but if that air gun can fire a pellet, even if the spring is broken, if it can fire a pellet and it's in working order from the 1st of January next year, it will be an offence to possess it without an air gun certificate. Hmm. The oh. Scottish Government's current PR scheme is pretty meaningless. There's not much investment in it. And the adverts in the back of buses, adverts in the radio and adverts in the news. But the message just isn't getting out to people. That this, and we're getting a lot of phone calls from, from even shooters are saying, we've got air gun licensing, I've been scrapped. When, what's this about it coming in? In the last 48 hours, we, we put up a big post on Facebook about the fees and other bits of information. From that post itself, we've generated over 240 specific comments and, and inquiries. Uh, we've been working flat out over the last 48 hours to keep people, in, not just SACS members, keeping people informed of what's happening and how they can... Um, make sure that they stay lawful so that we're actually we feel that we're doing more right now than the scottish government that's just not fair <laughs> and your um i mean it was an incredibly detailed post that you put up on social media it's been shared far and wide by many people and many organizations i believe yes yeah, it's, it, it's been a real um, vote of confidence in sacks that other organizations have put their work onto the website um yes it's, it's well, nice we're, we're gonna we're gonna do the same are, are doing that we're going to steal it from you and put it on our website. With permission. With permission. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're very welcome. It's nice to see that. You know, we have a very strong um, legal firearms background at SACS, and it's something we take great pride in. No, absolutely. Because if other organizations want to make use of that, then you know, by all means, give us a shout, and you know, we're happy for that to happen. Yeah, all for the greater good, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just going on to... In terms of what is actually covered, there is maybe a little bit of a grey area between what is an air gun. So what is the qualification of an air gun or air weapon, as they're calling them, uh, that will require you to get it licensed? Okay, so this is the detail bit. Um, get your pens at the ready. Um, the 2005 Air Gun Licensing Act, we'll call it for, for that in short, it covers all air guns with a muzzle energy exceeding one year. That's basically about three quarters of one foot pound. It doesn't uh, cover those currently required to be held in the firearm certificate, i.e. air pistols above six foot pounds and air rifles above 12 foot pounds muzzle energy. The new law also covers air gun component parts, things like barrels or cylinders and that kind of thing. It also covers air gun sound moderators, so they will come under this part of the actual act as well. Our view is that's daft. This is daft as in being an FAC, I'm sure you share the same view as myself. Um, you know, in my view, sound moderators are, are less dangerous than a brick in your hand. But uh, airsoft and low-energy plastic BB-firing guns are not classified as air weapons under the new law. And also, really importantly, air gun pellets aren't subject to controls. So you can still buy them off eBay or buy them over the shop counter without a certificate. That's not a drama, and that's something that we feel is actually quite sensible. Yeah. Uh, one issue there that it reflects in another law that's, that's live is the Violent Crime Reduction Act 2006, and that reflects on realistic imitation airsoft guns. 
with the muzzle energy below two and a half euros or 1.3 euros for fully automatic guns. Now, if you don't use airsoft guns, you don't need to worry about that or understand the figures. But if you do, the chances are that you're aware of, of this already. So these realistic imitation airsoft guns aren't technically air weapons, and the use is already controlled by the VCR uh, 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 2006 Act. They don't come under air gun licensing. Also, crossbows and Daryl listening, um, spear fishing guns are not covered by the new law. So you're okay to go fishing. You had, you had you me want. worried there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we've I, actually had a, cu- a couple of questions about that, whether crossbows were going to be brought into this. But no, thankfully, they're not. It was time to leave the country if the if the spear gun had to be licensed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, now, the, the other big one here is paintball guns. Um, there's a couple of um, areas of difficulty here. If paintball guns are being used at an approved paintball venue or a formal paintball venue, then that's fine. If they are used for other purposes, then they may need a certificate, and that's a great area that's yet to be finalised. We'll get more information on that, and anybody doing paintball, you probably have your own professional bodies that will represent you there anyway. But as, as and when we come across more information, we'll pass it on. Okay. Uh, one other small thing is the many people out there that collect antique air guns and don't actually fire them. Um, if they can still fire an air pellets uh, uh, beyond the uh, energy threshold, then they will require a certificate even just for collection. So that's something to 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 to, to um, be aware of. Okay, I was quite surprised about the uh, the possible grey area with uh, paintball guns, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see what comes of that. Quite. Yeah, I mean, they're highly, they're highly dangerous. You walk into post office anywhere. <laughs> well, I, I, I think used we're to... getting into, we're getting into the realms of, 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 of nonsense here. But the fact is that the, the government bringing this legislation forward, as flawed as we believe it is, has had to put to, down some thresholds of energy, etc. Mm-hmm. And you know, we agree with the principle, but of these these thresholds, you have to have that. But we do not agree with the principle of air gun licensing. The whole thing's nonsensical. Mm. Uh, so, in terms of a certificate, you now have one because you've applied. How long does it last? Is it comparable to owning a shotgun and firearm certificate, as a lot of our listeners probably do? Okay. Um, for applications received between the 1st of July this year and the 31st of December this year, the certificates will last between 18 and 26 months. The reason for this is because of cyclical licensing workloads and a formula was created that allowed the police to um, figure out how they can bring in a large number of air gun certificate holders without adding a, an extra burden onto licensing resources. And we support that. It's quite a sensible measure, actually. Probably a good idea even to bring it into FAC and SGC licensing. For the shorter certificates, the fees for them w- will be proportionately less. Okay. And that, that, that's obviously a, a fair thing. Um, Certificates issued from applications received after the 31st of December will then last for the full five years. And then certificates issued along with firearm certificate or shotgun certificate renewals after 31st of December will be coterminous with the um, FEC or SGC certificates. Now, if you're aged between 14 and 18, your first year gun certificate will have a special non-buying or gifting condition. This will end when you're 18. So if you are 16 and your 
applying for your first year gun certificate, by the age of 18, two years later, that will get cancelled. You have to apply for a fresh one, which is unrestricted. The fresh one will then allow you to buy or acquire air guns that the first one didn't. Okay. Also, from the age of 18, you can buy air gun pellets, which you, you currently can't do in current law. You can be gifted them for, for certain exemptions purposes, but not actually buy them. So if you get an air gun certificate at 17, it will cost proportionately less than one that you get at um, 18. And that's a good thing. So, so again, that's fair. It brings people into um, full certification at 18 in terms of buying air guns and pellets. And we think that's a sensible thing in a rather nonsensical law overall. Mm -hmm. So there's a positive there and a rather big negative. Okay. So if you're at that end of the age spectrum, you've got a couple of things to, to think about and consider. And I'm sure um, supportive parents will help you get through that as well. Um, application for a certificate. Most people know how you go about that. Uh, you, giving the, the police a call, they'll send you the applications or you can download them online from your uh, local firearms department website. How do you go about it with an air gun? Is it going to be the same sort of thing? Okay, so they actually call them air weapon certificates in the legislation, but we all know that air guns aren't weapons, but when we use the old term air gun, wherever we possibly can. Police Scotland will be running air gun licensing and applications will go live from the 1st of July this year. Um, certificates and permits, however, will not be valid until the 1st of, of January 2017. So you can apply for them from the 1st of July, download a form, fill it out as best you honestly can, send it into the police with a fee, they do the processing behind the scenes, but your eventual certificate that you receive in the post won't actually be valid until the 1st of January 2017. We don't yet know how long the actual application process will take, or how many applications they'll get. I mean, they could have you know, 10,000 in two weeks or, or maybe 1,000. We have no idea yet. But you know, that's something that we'll um, inform members of as, as we become more aware of it. Police Scotland say that they'll manage with surge in numbers. I don't know. I'm not one to judge. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay. So, yeah, you, you will put up the, the links, I'm sure, when you know where they can be downloaded, and certainly we'll do the same so that people know where they can get the, the applications for certificates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just to, to finish up, Alex, um, we've given everybody the important information they need to know to make sure that they stay uh, law abiding with regard to the new legislation. But can you just now just summarize by telling us why this was actually brought in in the first place? We're, we're going to go on to uh, touch on this with a couple of people in the in the podcast that follows uh, where you're, you're, you were in attendance with a number of people at the Northern Shooting Show. But if you could just kind of go over that right now so people understand why on earth you know, we're in this position that we're in right this minute. Okay, um, sure. The Scottish Government brought forward air weapons and licensing um, to help us better protect Scottish communities and make them safer. Um, they feel, felt, we believe genuinely, that there was a public safety element to the public ownership and, uh, and use of air guns in Scotland. Now, the statistics don't actually support that. So they keep banding around 182 air gun offences in, in the last um, 12 months, in the, in the last statistical year. But actually, in terms of, of, of all offences in Scotland, it's a drop in the ocean. It's a tiny, tiny amount. 
Um, the Scottish Government says that Ergon licensing follows the principles of existing firearms licensing and allows a fit person to obtain a license to own, possess and use an Ergon. Our response to that is, quite honestly, is total bollocks. Ergon licensing is disproportionate in regard to the tiny amount of Ergon crime and, and totally unfair to the vast majority of lawful Ergon owners. It's an absurd law that's highly unlikely to deter criminals. On statistics, in 2013-14, there were 65,661 recorded violent crimes in Scotland. But of them, just 34 were committed with an airgun. Hmm. That's 0.05% or a 20th of 1%. You know, what, what, what's next? Licensing hammers and screwdrivers? Yeah. You know, it's, this, the, the challenge is, is that the law is here. It's coming into force on the 1st of January 2017. And SACS and other organizations are doing their level best to inform members to make sure that they're aware of the new law and, and the penalties of not following it. Behind the scenes, we'll keep fighting the legislation, but from the 1st of January 2017, members will have to obey it. Mm. Just just out of interest, you might actually already have this written down, and I know that we did talk about it at the Northern Shooting Show. Uh, Is there any more information about people travelling from other parts of the UK or other parts of the world bringing an air gun into Scotland? Yes, there is. I mean, visitors that have a valid firearm or shotgun certificate, even if that firearm or shotgun certificate is in England or Wales, they're not Northern Ireland, I'll come back to that, um, they're covered to possess and use airguns in Scotland up to their FAC or SGC renewal. Okay. So say you come from Doncaster and you've got a shotgun certificate that expires in 2017, and but you shoot airguns in Scotland for rabbits or competitions, you would then be covered up until your SGC renewal to use and possess your air guns in Scotland. However, you're not covered to buy or acquire any more in Scotland. If you wish to do so, you'd have to apply for a visitor permit. Hmm. If you don't have an SGC or an FAC, you'll have to apply for a visitor permit, something akin to the actual um, air gun certificate, which allows you to use, possess air guns in Scotland, and importantly also to buy them in Scotland. And it's about £20. So that is £20 to have a visitor permit. Our advice is, if you come to Scotland often, if you're crossing the border and, uh, and doing air gunning bits and bobs here, then get yourself an air gun certificate as well. The air gun certificate isn't just for Scottish residents. It's also for anybody that may be affected by this legislation. So you might find it actually cheaper to get your own air gun certificate in, in any case. Oh, okay. If you come from Northern Ireland, you won't be covered by the, the um, FAC that you have there. And you'll have to apply for a visitor permit regardless. Okay. No, that's that's really important, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think that clears things up a little bit. Um, Alex, just one final question from me, uh, and I'm not sure whether this has been fleshed out yet, is going to be the, the requirement for security storage of air guns. Right. Um, okay. There is a rather detailed document that's been around for quite a while uh, done by the Home Office and a number of shooting organisations including Basque and BSSC etc and the NRA. It's very very good. If you stick into Google three words, air weapons safety, it's the first thing that comes up. It's a PDF leaflet with good information on current air gun laws that doesn't include the Scottish air gun laws but especially good information on security requirements and your responsibility. In terms of do you need a gun cabinet for air guns in Scotland from the 1st of January next year, no you don't. 
a locked room or cupboard or a trigger lock or security cable would suffice in most circumstances. If you've got a gun cabinet and you've got kids in the house, then it's common sense to pop them in the cabinet or in a strong room if you possibly can. The leaflet from the Home Office actually also describes the, the air gun security standard for the new Scottish law, which is the one that they reflect to. And in any case, there's also an offence right now, even before the Scottish law, to um, allow an under-18 to be in possession of an air gun, um, with certain exemptions that, that exist. So you know, common sense applies. If you use your head, you'll keep your air gun certificate. And if you want to keep your air gun out of the hands of minors and people that shouldn't have them, in that case, the chances are you'll be fulfilling your security requirement anyway. Okay, so nothing in terms of security requirements has really changed uh, with regard to the new legislation coming in? Hasn't really changed. Okay. It's common sense applies. If you've got minors in the house and they might have access to air guns, simply lock them away. And you know, putting them on top of a wardrobe would not be considered, in our view, as genuinely secure. That's still relatively accessible by a minor. If you lock it in a room specifically for the purpose or a gun cabinet or, or, or a security cable or a trigger lock, then that's that, 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 in our view, would be sufficient. Perfect. Alex, thank you very much for your yeah, time Thank you morning. very much. Well, we hope you found that extraordinarily informative for the air guns because I've actually learned something there. There is a lot to take in, so this will be on forevermore. Yes, and all of the details, including the question and answer session that we did, along with uh, the initial information that Sachs put out, is available on their Facebook page. We've shared it on our podcast Facebook page, and we are going to actually upload PDF versions to our website and provide links to that too. So if you want to visit um, thepacebrothers.com, yep, it is. It'll uh, be on there. For the guys that are watching on YouTube, it will be in the link because we know that everybody does not have uh, Facebook just by the large amount of people that enter our competitions through email and, and so on. So yes. we know there, we know there is lots of non-Facebook users out there. Yeah, so yeah, visit our, our website, thepacebrothers.com, and you'll find the podcast tab. Which is new, by the way. It is new, yeah. Um, or YouTube link, or go and uh, check out our Facebook page, or indeed the Sachs Facebook page. All the information will be there, and I'll let you read over it and make sure that you're going to be on the right side of the law when the legislation changes, if you uh, live in Scotland. Well, we're just going to talk about just a few little news items before we get, before we get into the Northern Shooting Show. Uh, and sh what should we kick off with? Well, I think we should actually kick off with our competition winner. Okay. Let's oh, start with that. Oh, yeah. Competition, guys. So, we, we said we were going to be doing them every show, and we have been. And thank you for a lot of you. I don't even know how many pictures that we got sent either through email or on Facebook. Uh, but we put the pictures together. We picked our top five well, we or sat ten. Down with, we sat down with a, a bunch of our friends, with like we said we would do. With our friends, and our friends decided the top three. Yeah. So the top three, because there were so many good pictures out there, you're all going to get something. So the, the winner of the amazing torch is, and I'm going to butcher your surname, so I apologize for this, but Dan McClendon. And you put up a picture of your son, Darren, uh, which was, I mean, it was a great picture, and it's exactly what we love to support, which is young people shooting. So you are going to be the winner 
of the Surefire Torch. P3X Fury. Yeah. So, so congratulations. You, you have so, to contact us. Yeah, now. so contact us and then you will uh, send us your... But there is a caveat to this. Yes. You have to give it to your son. <laughs> so you're going to win it because it was a picture that you put up, but I think you have to give it to your son. So sorry about that. So uh, Darren, make sure your dad gives you the torch that we're going to send him. Okay, so because there were so many good pictures, we're going to give the second and third something away as well. And our third, uh, well, our second and third, one of the entries only came in at about one o'clock in the morning last night. Uh, but it was a really good picture. So, can you give me the names, please? Yes, I can. So, uh, the... one of them is one of our very new American listeners, Trent. Yeah, well, Trent actually, he sent it in uh, very early on. Very, very cool picture. And that was, he had one of those uh, teepee tents like uh, Donnie Vincent uses with just an amazing uh, piece of scenery. And he took the time to email us, send us some comments and sent us the picture to enter the competition. So we really appreciate that. Trent, thank you very much for tuning so in now. So you are the winner of one of the really small little knives, uh, the Spider Spider Co. Co. Uh, I don't know where it's gone. I, I, had I it gave it hand. to you. I've, I've actually lost it to show you on the webcam. I don't, I'll get another one. We'll just... get another one. Hang on. It's, <laughs> it's so small, I've actually lost it. Um, okay. So you're going to get one of these cool little knives, and it comes in nice little box as well so we're going to send that over to you and who's our other winner Byron? and our last winner is tom ordage who so, sent in very late last night so you just sneaked in tom yeah so those are the three winners contact us and we'll get them sent to you perfect now new competition oh yeah new competition uh daryl's you haven't managed to lose this have you no, no you've got not. the new competition it's, prize it's, in your hands it's a lot bigger so guys the new competition is the Caldwell Caldwell Emacs low profile ear defenders? Now, I've been doing a little bit of reading on these ear defenders, and I wouldn't mind them myself. They are electronic ones, uh, so you put batteries in them and they reduce the, the sound. Byron actually has a pair, not these exact ones, but I have used electronic ear defenders for years now, and I think they're really good just because. One, they reduce the noise, but you can also speak to people. It means you're not shouting yeah, at you're everyone. You're not shouting at people, and yes. Yeah, so these these are exactly those, but <laughs> they haven't added extra. There's a headphone jack to plug your iPod into. That's just tremendous. <laughs> I only found this out about two minutes ago, just when we were looking at look looking at the Coldwell uh, electronic ear defenders. They're normally quite a bit of money. These uh, electronic ear defenders. So yeah, and. And absolutely essential. You should be wearing ear defenders. Mm -hmm. Save your ears. Yep. So to enter, listen to the end of the show and uh, we will tell you exactly how you enter at the very end of the show. So we, we keep, you, keep you listening. We will put up a, a picture uh, on, of the, the Caldwell ear defenders on our podcast page so you can have a look and we'll also put the link up to the actual Caldwell website where you'll be able to find all the info so you can check them out. Well, I would just enter, but yeah, you can check them out before you enter if you want as well. Our our trophy cam is on the way to. Yes, I posted uh, it the other day to um, Peter. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in Wales, so apologies for the delay, Peter. We were we were away. We, ha we have it been, has we been have posted. Been, it has been posted. Okay, now we're going to move on to some news items quickly. Yes. Um, there's a few. There's one in the news. Let's start with a gorilla. We, okay, gorilla. Uh, I, I've read a bit of news stuff. It's, I mean, a lot of it's a huge amount of hype. 
child falls into an enclosure. I don't even know how that even happens. Um, gorilla gets hold of the kid and and the gorilla gets shot. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Um, there's been a huge outcry, one for the parents to be prosecuted. Um, and also, you know, people are upset that they shot the gorilla. Um, I think there's a few things to probably take away from this. One, if they hadn't shot the gorilla, there would still be an outcry that the child might have died. So I don't think anyone could have win in the, no one could win in this situation. Um, I mean, what, what do you do? Mm, it's, it's a hard one. Um, I mean, I, I guess you could. You, the argument is, well, why didn't they dart him? But a dart's not going to work straight away. No, it doesn't. And also, the time that you organise that, like you say, something could have happened. Um, but I'm sure pretty much everyone will have caught that news story. But uh, very s- sad for the gorilla. Um, it is. I sad mean, that we have to keep gorillas. Well, in zoos I, as well, you know, I was just a way to say that. You know, the problem is, is it's you know, it's in a zoo. I mean, it's, it's sad that we even have to have. Um, I'm not a, not a big fan no, of uh, animals bit, and zoos unless it's for uh, making sure a species stays alive. That for me, that's the only reason why a zoo should really exist is that the you know to prolong a species or, to protect or, or save one, yeah, yeah. Or save one to protect them. So I think everyone's seen that. We're going to move on. Uh, if you haven't, go and check it out. But the video is all over online now. Next one. This one goes back a few weeks ago now. Um, but we just haven't had a chance to talk it's about. Kind of funny. Kind of funny, but sad, funny, at, the but same sad time. at the same time. It's also more stupidity of human beings, unfortunately. A bit like the the gorilla situation, I imagine. Yellowstone Park. So, for our American listeners that have joined us, you'll know it a lot better than us, and you probably saw the story a lot more than us. But some tourists decided that uh, a bison calf was cold and dying so they put it in the back of the car took it to the ranger's hut and said you know we've got a a lost bison here uh uh, bear in mind that bison live in some of the most harsh conditions known to man i mean if you see pictures of bison you know they're often uh, you know in winter covered in snow completely these these animals have been around for an extraordinarily long length of time they can survive in the cold so they, t- they took it to the ranger's hut, and the consequences of that is that when the rangers took it back, it was rejected by the herd, and they had to put it down. So basically, they're directly responsible for it dying. Don't interfere. Don't interfere, especially this time of year. In the UK, especially, there will be lots of um, babies around. and Yeah, whether that be birds or deer. Or deer. Leave them be. You know, unless it is lying in the middle of the road, hmm. um, when, you know, it's probably going to die, but... Yeah, leave them alone. Let nature do its thing. Yeah. Now, um, really concerning news out of Norway is that not just now one, but the second case of chronic wasting disease has now been reported. The first case was in a reindeer, a female reindeer, and I believe the latest case has been in a moose. Um, If you want more details on that, and you're concerned about it and you want to understand more about the disease, how it's transmitted and what our risks are and what we can do to help make sure it doesn't come to our shores, I'd visit the British Deer Society website. If you put in British Deer Society into Google, it'll come up and you'll be able to navigate through to chronic wasting disease. It is a massive issue and has been a massive issue over in America and it's been well documented there. These are the first cases in Europe and the potential for this to be catastrophic 
amongst our deer populations is um is really quite high so it's something that we should definitely be aware of definitely educate yourself and go and read about it and what we're going to do is in the next uh, couple of months we're going to try and get the right people together for a podcast yeah we'll do so that we, yeah so that people can understand it and and have a listen to the experts and uh yeah i'm uh, it's it's a real real concern so let's just hope that we don't hear of another case it was only about a month between the two cases so we'll just have to see what happens yes it's very easily transmitted so go and read about it okay now, you had some other stuff written down, Byron, uh, some antis in Australia. Oh, yes, I did. <clears throat> I'd almost forgotten about this. Now, this is, this is very funny. Um, I actually shared it on uh, my Byron Pace page uh, maybe two weeks ago. And I'm just trying to, I'm just going to bring up their names. But what this was is there, there's obviously been a drive in Australia for, to, to stop duck hunting. Yeah. And so they got together a bunch of uh, sporting celebrities. Um, I have to admit that they're not names that I actually knew, but I guess they're probably quite well known in Australia. And they put up these uh, billboards and posters with um, a, a duck in their hand. And that was their drive to say, you know, no one needs to hunt ducks. And the amusing aspect of that is that the shooting community then went out and found various uh, pictures. On their Instagram yeah. or on their Facebook pages. All, all available <laughs> of them eating farmed meat. So, for example, and we'll, we'll name and shame here because it's all public domain, Aaron Phillips, who is a basketball player for Australia, um, and the little caption, we, we will put these pictures up on the podcast page, uh, duck shooting is not a sport, signed by Aaron Phillips. And, of course, there's a picture of her with a dead fish in her hands after enjoying a day's fishing. Well, fishing is not a sport, Aaron. Yes. And, uh, and you I would say hashtag, yeah. hashtag hypocrite, yeah. <laughs> which is what the the uh, the, the hunting supporting um, hunter's little picture You know, you know the fact that she can't distinguish between the two is quite sad. It is quite sad. And uh, there, there is quite a few of them, but I'll just give you one more. Um, another female, because uh, female hunters get a really hard time, so we'll put in another female here, which is Sharni Layton. Um, I think this could be... It's netball. Did you decide volleyball. it was netball? I'm not volleyball. sure. And exactly the same thing. She opposes wild game meat. And yet uh, there's a picture of her in juicy, uh, enjoying some juicy meat on a plate from a farm. And they, they had another one, uh, which I don't think Byron's got up on his page. And it was a guy, football player. And he was doing exactly the same thing. Holding a duck. You know, don't eat ducks you know, they're bad for you, don't, you know, shooting's terrible. And then there was an Instagram picture with 2,000 likes on it of him enjoying a rack of ribs at the local yeah, shop. Yeah, like a daddy a rack of ribs. massive rack of ribs. So it doesn't really work, guys, if yeah. you're going out. and If you're going to go and eat farmed meat, <laughs> you cannot criticize ethically sourced wild game that's been hunted and shot. It's we we do say ethically, guys. We do say ethically yeah. sourced. So, but it makes them look a bit stupid. It We're going to put those pictures up for your entertainment on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, um, well, one more look. thing. One more thing before we go, because Packham has to come up nearly every single time. We have asked Packham to come on. Chris Packham, we're talking about here. Yes, we have multiple actually. times. <coughs> Excuse me. The uh, offer still stands. Offer still stands. We even had people in dialogue with him, um, and Chris Packham. Uh, said, oh, well, I've asked to be on shooting... Um, he actually said that um, he had requested to have articles in the Shooting Times. 
before, and, but they had they been declined. De- they'd been declined, and that basically the shooting world didn't really want him on. And we've asked him multiple times now to come on the show, and we have sent him messages, and we've had someone that listens to our show in dialogue with him on Twitter. Anyone can go and see it, and saying, you know, well, if you want to come on a shooting show, the UK's only hunting uh, on-demand radio show, then come on. We want him on. We want to talked to him about eating tadpoles and stuff like that which was the latest thing and uh he just went dead he's got he's gone silent he's obviously got more important things to do um and yeah but i mean if anyone didn't know that uh chris's latest um thing is that all children should eat tadpoles because it puts you more in touch with nature and i think that's pretty cruel actually i wouldn't eat a tadpole unless no, I, I i take the kids hunting i think that puts yeah more that, in touch i think that puts it more in touch because what does what does eating a tadpole teach you it's disgusting it's not going to taste good but... unless you fry it up or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose if you had to. Uh, actually, it does look a bit like tapioca. It does. Well, <laughs> the eggs do. Yeah, the eggs do. That's what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. But yeah, the the invitation stays open. So maybe what we should do is for our listeners, we should start a bit of a campaign. And we should uh, you should hashtag and tag us on Twitter and uh, various other social me- media with uh, a request to Chris Packham to come on. Because, I mean, on a, on a serious note, I think, you know, he is he is in the public domain. People do listen to him. So it would be really awesome to have a proper discussion with him where we can try and form some balanced views. We can have some people on our on sort of our side of the, the mics who are involved in the shooting world along with us, and we can actually debate things with him uh, you know, on a two-way basis, unlike the sort of one-way basis that we, that we get across uh, current media. So we're going to try and make that happen, but with your help, we might just be able to do that. Yes, we will. And yeah, if anyone has any guest suggestions whatsoever, if you want a topic discussed, get it in, guys. Uh, email podcast at paceproductionsuk.com. And you have been. I mean, this is why we've been doing all these shows, because these are all, I mean, uh, coming up, we have some. We, yeah, we actually, have. Uh, we've got Ivan Carter. Ivan Carter. And if you don't know who Ivan Carter is, Google his name. Uh, he has an outdoors channel show that is filmed by. Uh, Brandon Brand Shockey. Shockey, and it's it's a pretty wicked show. It's called it's cool. Carter's War. Just YouTube it, and you'll go, wow! It's all about anti poaching and conservation in Africa. Yeah, um, I'm not sure whether he's going to be on next. I've been in dialogue with him for quite some time, but he is an incredibly busy man, extraordinarily busy. And we actually we nearly had the chance to record with him the other day. Uh, he said, I can do it tomorrow. Unfortunately, we were away. And then he had to go and uh, save a baby rhino. <laughs> so we've had <laughs> the, to reschedule. This is a man in the forefront of the fight in Africa. You know, he, he isn't just on the ground um, against poaching in Africa. He is going out of his way to go through Asia and try and educate. And, you know, that's what, where it is. What more can you ask for than someone, you know, taking up their time? and traveling through asia because that is where the main battlefront is yeah, is trying to tell people that you know eating your nails effectively isn't gonna isn't save gonna you, you from anything really yeah. help you or save you yeah uh we're also going to do a dedicated tick podcast which oh, this is, is going to be important um, i mean this is a, a worldwide thing not just a uk thing you know lyme disease affects people across the whole world and it is only getting worse. The ticks this year in the UK, from what we've experienced, is absolutely horrendous. And from people that we spoke to online, it's, it's a pretty bad year for it. Yeah, it does certainly seems that way. And we're going to be able to speak to um, some people right at the forefront of coming up with uh, solutions to prevent you getting bitten by ticks. And also 
um, cure yeah. Lyme's disease. We are so they're working on. We're it. gonna get some gear. We're we're gonna yeah and talk through the the prevention. And we're also either going to the university and we're gonna go into their labs, or we're gonna get the professors on uh, the show here. That's so gonna be a really important podcast. But we are not going to talk any longer because we have a very exciting um, conversation. Uh, with a whole bunch of people who we are just about to introduce you to at the Northern Shooting Show. Um, we talked about everything from uh, air gun licensing, which I think is one of the first things up, uh, all the way through to um, trophy hunting um, and everything in between. It's uh, You'll have to excuse the slight background rumble that's in it because we are in the middle of the show. The show. And if you hear um, what sounds like a machine gun going off, uh, that's because there was a 2-2 firing range not too far away from yeah, us. Yeah, and they had multiple lanes and lots of people were shooting, so you might be able to hear that slightly in the background. But, but it makes you feel like you're there. Yeah, <laughs> if you didn't go, you'll get a taste of what the Northern Shooting Show was like, and it was excellent. We really enjoyed it. Was, it was, we enjoyed it, and hopefully going back next year. Yeah. Uh, don't forget that this podcast is supported by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And if you want to download us and listen to us, it is on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, and now TuneIn Radio. So we now have the full spectrum, and we are trying to keep progressing. We had um, an email a few weeks ago about someone wanting it on a Windows phone, and I tried to help them the best I can, uh, but Windows is something that we don't really know a huge amount about, and I tried to do a lot of research, uh, but... Pr- that's about five or six platforms. If you can't get it on one of those, then I apologize. Mm. We do try. But you our can. Best. Or you should be able to listen to it on SoundCloud on on yeah, any on device. any device. Well, TuneIn's on, on most TuneIn. devices yeah. or YouTube. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And if you want to see the full catalog easily and everything that we are up to, including, of course, our series into the wilderness, which we have two episodes two out, episodes out, you need to check out our YouTube channel. And if you want everything in one place, just visit all the W's at thepacebrothers.com. And it's all there for you guys. Oh, and if anyone has Instagram. Oh, yeah, we've got a huge Instagram account. Loads of content on there. Yeah, so check it out. If you want pictures of just like everything that we get up to. Uh, I mean, this is this is everything from guns we test to kit to where we're going at, the, at that time. Go on our Instagram account. We're going to leave you to it. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the show. Enjoy. Um, welcome everyone to the, the Into the Wilderness podcast. Thanks very much for, for joining us at the, the Northern Shooting Show. We've got a couple of uh, topics to discuss today. And uh, also just at the end, we're going to talk about the, this game fair, which is, I'm looking outside and the sun is shining. We've been rather lucky with the weather this weekend. And I think by all accounts, it's been a good game fair, but we'll uh, kind of summarize that at the end. As a starting point, uh, we might be south of the border, but air gun licensing in Scotland is something which uh, one of our listeners asked us to bring up. Only, only last week. Yeah, just a couple of days week, ago. Yeah. And I think we've got some uh, pretty good people around the table to, to uh, explain exactly what's going on. There definitely is the case that people with air guns in Scotland don't actually really know what's happening. Um, Alex, if I can start with you and just give a brief overview of what what's coming forward later this year and what people with air guns need to do. Okay, so from the 1st of July, air gun licensing comes into effect. Um, we don't know the cost of that yet, but we think it'll be reaching about £87 for a certificate. It'll be, it'll be called an air weapon certificate, an AWC, 
and you have a, a six months up until the 31st of December to apply for it. If you already have a firearm or shotgun certificate, you will not need an ear weapon certificate until your renewal is uh, due, at which point you'll then apply for an ear weapon certificate if you'd wish to have one. However, if you um, have a firearm or shotgun certificate and it, between now and your renewal you want to um, buy uh, or acquire another ear gun, then you'll have to apply for an ear weapon certificate anyway. So your firearm or shotgun certificate will cover you for possession and use of your current ear guns. But if you want to buy another air gun, you have to apply for an air weapon certificate um, before your renewal time. The big issue, we've all fought against the air weapon certification. It's, it's silly, it's, it's, it's going to make no effect in terms of air gun crime, which is statistically very, very small indeed. But the, it's coming through, so we have a duty of care to our members and others to make sure that they follow the law and don't get into trouble. If anybody has any questions regards to air gun licensing, you're very welcome, whether you're a SACS member or not a SACS member, to call us and we can send you PDFs of information or speak to us on the phone and any queries, we're happy to help you. Um, it's, it's quite complex in some ways in terms of requirements for air gun clubs, etc. There's still a few things yet to be confirmed, for example, the requirements for air gun security. But as this goes forward, we'll be informing our members on Facebook and elsewhere as to the, any updates and information. So it's a lot yet to be confirmed. It's coming in on the 1st of July. You'll have six months to apply for an air weapon certificate should you wish to have one. If you don't want to have an air weapon certificate, you'll be requested to surrender your air guns to an RFD or hand them in for destruction. Um, any queries at all, feel free to contact SACS. I'm quite sure Basque and other organisations will say the same thing and we'll support you wherever we possibly can. Um, Dave, what has been the, the take from, from your members? I imagine you've got guys in, in Scotland, although you're, you're Firearms UK, but who have air rifles, and a lot of firearms owners have air rifles. What, what has the feedback been to you? Well, obviously a lot of people aren't happy about it at all. Uh, moving forward, I think a lot of people feel they're going to end up just going down to take up, uh, maybe get their shotgun certificate or firearm certificate, rather than just maybe they'll either surrender their air guns or perhaps giving to friends down south, you know, just, they just need to get rid of them unfortunately. A lot of people are very disappointed that with uh, around 22,000 people signed a petition against it and they've been ignored. The Scottish government decided to press on, they've ignored all the evidence, they didn't really carry out the process properly. And we, we've kind of just partially the way while we're doing it anyway, so that's not a very good thing for us. But as Alice was saying, we just need to encourage people, you know, keep shooting, just if you're going to keep your ear guns, go through the proper process. And uh, we just need to show we're going to carry on doing what we do because we enjoy it. I mean, Fraser, um, do you not think it, as organisations, we should be, in, even if we don't agree with the, the the licensing coming into place, as Alex said, you know, it is coming, so we just have to deal with it. We should be encouraging our members to go through and apply and not give their guns away because if you start taking if you start taking air guns or whatever other guns out of the system, then you know, where does it end? This is it. I mean, ultimately, as shooters, we all want to be compliant with the law, regardless of whether we necessarily agree with it or not. Um, ultimately, for, certainly for myself and a lot of the followers, we would rather be in a situation where we would go through the application process rather than seeing them being surrendered. The other thing to bear in mind about the surrendering of them as well is there's no compensation. So you could be literally handing over potentially two, three thousand pounds worth of air rifle for absolutely no comeback. So again, as I say, it's worth um, going through the process in that respect just in order to obviously continue on with the sport.
I mean, Pete, uh, you do... You don't. I don't think you do a lot of uh, air rifle shooting these days, uh, being more of a, a big bore man. But what, what is your take on what's happening over the border with regard to air, air guns? Well, I think air guns, well, they certainly were for me. It's it an entry into country spots so for, for many people around this table and, and for the guys out there too. Uh, and this north of the border is a problem at the moment, but it will. I, I guess it will head south as well. Uh, I think there's going to be a, co a massive cost involved that nobody's really looked at from the, and, and to implement that too and it just seems to be unnecessary licensing to me really. Uh, just before I come to you Roger, Alex can you elaborate any more on the, the cost implications of this? I mean that is, uh, I imagine it would have been a consideration for the government for implementing it. We all know how expensive it is to implement the firearms licensing and, and the fees that go with that. I mean, what's your take on the extra money that's going to have to be, uh, you know, or resources rather that are going to have to be put aside for air gun licensing? Well, in terms of firearm and shotgun certification right now, there are some efficiencies coming into um, effect or, or rather being planned. For example, the potential for e-commerce, online applications, that kind of thing, that could potentially come into effect for air gun licensing as well, which could be quite cost effective. In terms of the police would like to minimise um, the actual processing of this, so the, the, the hurdle to get an air weapon certificate, I don't like the term air weapon certificate, but that's a legal term now, um, it should be an air gun certificate, but the, the, the hurdle to apply for and get an air weapon certificate will be something akin to um, the Disclosure Scotland check if you were going to work with children. So if you didn't have a, don't have a criminal record, if you don't have anything else in the background that would be um, of concern to the police, then you would theoretically get an air weapon certificate. It's going to be an expensive process. It, we're heading into unknown territory now. We do not know what this is going to cost. We don't know how many people are going to apply for it. And we've got no idea of how many people out there are not going to apply for it because they haven't heard about it and there's no knowledge. So this is going to bring in a whole raft of new technical um, uh, uh, criminality um, for, for our members and for people, members of no organisation, and we think it's entirely disproportionate to the very small amount of air gun crime which is already dealt with quite competently by existing laws. Mm. Hey, Roger, carrying on from what, what Pete said about air guns being the gateway into field sports, I mean, that's sort of a, you know, that's day-to-day what you were involved in, I know you were you were down at the HFT earlier on today. That's running here, and the amount of young people involved in it is, is fantastic and great to see. So, what's your take on this new restriction that's going to be in place? Well, when we heard about it, HFT Masters, we looked at it and we were very surprised. Obviously, that, that it's all going through. I thought it was something that was just going to go away. Obviously, it hasn't. So there you go. We have to sort of like wipe your mouth and carry on. The problem is, I mean, like for competitions, we run competitions all around England, Scotland and Wales and what have you. Uh, suddenly we're going to Scotland, well now we've had to bring that forward because obviously, yeah, we can't get up there after the, obviously the due date because how many shooters are going to turn up to our competition? Because obviously if they're not certificated by then, they can't shoot, whatever, I don't know. So, you know, it's, it's a real pain in the neck. And it, it, lots of people, I mean, I go up to Scotland quite a bit to see, like, shoot competitions and what have you. And the people up there are absolutely up in arms about it. They're not happy in any way, shape or form. And, you know, are we going to do it? Are we not? I said, well, you've got to do it. I mean, that's the law, end of. So get, get amongst it. And it's a shame, but one of those things. If I could just, just touching sorry. on that because a lot of the feedback that we've had has been very very similar um, the, the big concern is, is as well is just obviously the fact that the, the, the shooters do really feel as disproportionate in realms of 
um, again the limited amount of crime that is actually in Scotland now associated with it. Absolutely. Well, I was going to talk about as well, interesting points in visitors, I mean I'm not quite sure what's happening with regards to perhaps shooters up down in England and Wales. I was just going to ask that question come, actually. And what's the process of visitors, is it going to be along the lines you need to get a temporary permit? You know, having two laws, it's just it's crazy, which is again a worry that they might start to implement it down south and that's another a fight for another day. But, you know, there's so many things, unanswered questions. It's, it's been a rushed process. It's so, I, d- I don't know if anybody at the table can answer that. Has that been discussed, people from England coming to shoot in Scotland, whether it be competitions? Do you have an answer to that? I think you can take it right back to first principles. Was there an impact assessment on this proposed legislation in the first place? There wasn't. It was an open consultation. There wasn't. The consultation was effectively, we're going to bring in this legislation regardless, and the consultation was more about how it was going to work than whether it was a good thing in principle. So what we lack in Scotland is an effective check in the system, an upper house where any silly legislation being proposed can be effectively checked and stopped before it becomes into effect. We are victims of a government that is um, quite happy to take forward new legislation based on its own ideological mindset rather than proportionate lawmaking on behalf of the wider community. So we are up in arms about it, we're furious about it, but obviously we have a duty to make sure that SACS members, other members, Basker working hard on this, Firearms UK, to make sure that all the people that we wear that shoot air guns do so lawfully now. But how many folks south of the border have never heard about Scottish air gun licensing, coming north to shoot rabbits in a farm and don't know anything about it? Um, You say that about people going up north to do that. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine only the other day, uh, and he was saying to me, "Well, you know, he's got uh, his uncle lives up in Scotland," and I said, "Well, this air gun law, you know, you have to be careful." And he said, "Well, I don't know what you're talking about." And I, yeah, he's from Essex, I've got to be honest. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm not knocking the Essex, by the way. Um, and he, he didn't know anything about it at all. And he reads the magazines, but obviously he didn't read the right ones. And he knew nothing about it in any way, shape or form. And I was saying, well, you know, it's very soon. You're going to have to have a license. And he said, well, how does it work? Do we get a license? we get a permit going in? Or, you know, do you get one at the border? What, what's, the, what's the score? There and has I, been and some details bandied around in relation to um, the potential for a visitor's permit to become a reality. I mean, really, once the, once the licensing becomes law, there really is no other way to do it other than to actually have a visitor's permit for people who are crossing the border. The problem that exists within that, though, is there's no border checks crossing from England to Scotland. Yeah. Just uh, for people who are only listening and don't watch this, when during that conversation there for the last five minutes, everybody was nodding their heads <laughs> in agreement to everything that, that was being said. I, th- I think there could be a lesson learned from this, though, is the fact that uh, everybody around here pretty much thought, uh, with perhaps the ex- exception of Alex, that uh, this was going to go away. And Absolutely. it was there, there, there wasn't a lot of coverage of it. It was covered in Egg and Shooter magazine. It definitely, I thought you might get that in there. Uh, you know, Nigel Allen did cover it. <laughs> but it didn't go away. And, the, you know, there's a lesson there that, we, you know, everybody that's involved in country sports should uh, take on board. I mean, that, that's a spot on. It's, and if there's one, the biggest threat to shooting sports, in my opinion, is apathy. People that just aren't going to get involved Absolutely. in protecting their rights. So now is the time to really stand up with everybody else, join an organisation, choose whichever one suits your, your personal priorities, get involved, call them, email them, send them letters. If they ask you to send letters to your MPs, MSPs, MEPs, do so please. Get involved. Organisations aren't there to do work for you. Organisations are there to, to, to lead the effort collectively on behalf of everybody. So please get involved. Ergon licensing is a classic example 
of where the shooting community has not worked effectively together. That's not to say we could have stopped this uh, nipped it in the bud because the Scottish Government was going to run with this regardless. There's no check in the system. But going forward with the other threats that we face, European level, United Nations level, etc., wildlife uh, habitat directors and all that kind of thing, working together in unity is the best way forward. We have to do this. Well, actually, it was one of one of the things I wanted to bring up, and maybe if I can come to you, Dave, sure. about organisations working together where there's you know a, a definite common ground, and how how important that it, that is to you, and what you see going forward being the you know the way forward to preserve what we have as shooters. Well, as Alex said, unity is just the, it's the number one issue. I mean, we all have to work together. Uh, in the past, uh, we've seen kind of fragmentation. Other organisations have thought, well. This isn't anything to do with our kind of shooting. We're not going to get involved. We're not going to support each other. And I think we actually came about. Uh, I started a petition supported by Basque originally uh, for against air gun licensing. And through that, I got in touch with like, the SACs and all the other uh, Scottish Countryside Alliance. And for, for me and a few other supporters, we thought, well, this is brilliant. We're all kind of working together. And that's how Firearms UK came about. We thought, well, we've got to keep this going and keep everyone working together and supporting each other. You know, so target shooters will help clay shooters and game shooters and, and we'll all help each other. And it eventually led to us, and it's identified, as mentioned as well, Apathy. We've done a 2-2 pistol petition to try and get 2-2 pistols back. And we get amazing, tremendous support from a lot of organs, SACs, BASC, Countryside Alliance, NRA got on board, PSA, everyone, and a few magazines, everyone eventually got on and in some way shared the petition. And while it was an improvement in the last one, we still only got 22,000 signatures. And for us, it's identified that a lot of shooters, maybe they're quite apathetic, think, what good's it going to do? Mm. And there's also a communication issue, because right up a few months after, people weren't even aware of it. I thought, this was everywhere. A lot of organisations published this, and it was in a few magazines. So the, definitely we need to work on getting shooters involved and uh, building communications with everyone, because there is a lot of shooters that just don't seem to be within reach. So, again, all that behind a united front, I think it would stand a better chance and have a, a better future for shooting, all forms of shooting. I think, yeah, spot on. It's, it's important that we choose our battles. Rather than having yeah, disparate areas of uh, personal interest and taking forward expanding ammunition, change from Section 5 of ticket again, which we all want to have, and other little quirky little things, we have to work together, choose a handful of objectives and drive them through to a successful conclusion. And that means that the organisations really have to grip certain elements, certain um, fights, and these are the ones that we will focus on for two, three, four, five years until we have a meaningful, positive conclusion to that. And getting two, two pistols back, or it, it, that, that's, that's vital for the future. We fully support that. Sax isn't just about country sports and ferrets and shotgun shooting and rifles and stalking. Sax is about any kind of firearm shooting, archery, catapults, whatever. We support it. We support people's lawful right to enjoy themselves in a sensible way. So fully support Firearms UK. I think the work they're doing is fantastic. It's, it's really engaging. They've got a lot of support in the background. If we can all work better together in terms of choosing our targeted um, fights, I think we can probably in the next few years achieve a lot, an awful lot more than we've ever done before. Um, Pete, you've maybe got a, a slightly different uh, view on organisations working together, only in that you stand back from it. You're not, you're not, a, you're not involved in the day-to-day -day running of, a, of an organisation, but you, you are a shooter, you're an editor of a magazine, you speak to a lot of people who are the, the general public in terms of shooting. 
I mean, what do you think we need to do to get people more engaged about just about everything? And when, when, when we need people to step up and write those letters and actually interact with the organizations that are trying to defend what we all enjoy, we end up with you know, what tends to be a very small number of people that are interacting continually rather than Yes, and I think that interaction is key and I think everybody that has an interest in shooting sports should when asked by the representative shooting organisations engage. I mean I engage with representatives of all the shooting organisations in this country and on a positive note I think everybody does want to work together. It's certainly much more that way than what it, if we went back certainly a decade ago when everybody Absolutely. worked from themselves like now everybody yep. wants to work together to the common goal. Yep. You know, it's, United we rule, divided we fall. It's the, it's the only way forward, isn't it? Absolutely. Together. And I agree with that, Alex. We should be looking at uh, initiatives that are bringing back things such as 2-2 uh, pistol shooting. Pour some of it back that's been taken yeah, off. Yeah, some of the quarry species that have been taken off the list and, that, and now they should be back on the list. Uh, ravens? Raven, absolutely. You know, ravens are becoming a problem. And, uh, you know, even the Brent geese, there's a lot more Brent geese than what there was 50 years ago. And, uh, you know, I think that there is uh, certainly evidence there, scientific-backed evidence, that we could take a reasonable cull of Brent geese in, the, in, in, in this country. Mm. No, that's, that's an interesting point. That's a, that's a country as uh, Great Britain, not as uh, the SNP would have it, as Scotland and the rest of it. Fair enough, fair enough. Relatively so. <laughs> um, if we just move on from that just slightly, and I'm, I'm just going to go back to Alex because I, I want to start there before we, we sort of fan it out, and that's to talk about Clause 81 of the Policing and Crime Bill. Now, we've seen this uh, across social media in the last month or so, and I think it's fair to say that there's certainly been a lot of co confusion as to exactly what the purpose of that is and, and what it's going to mean for shooters. So, Alex, if I can start with you just to explain it, and then we'll go around and just get everybody's take on it. Okay, I'll... I'll keep it as short as I can. The, the Policing Crime Bill was brought into, the, the idea behind it was basically to improve the democratic accountability of the fire, rescue and police services, principally the police services. Some of that has come from the Her Majesty's Inspector of Constabulary reports into various things like firearms licensing. There are a number of elements to the um, bill itself, it's still going through amendment stages, but there's one there is part six which is about firearms. There are a few benefits in terms of definition of a, um, a lethal barrel weapon and component parts, etc. There's a definition of antique firearms, which is helpful. But there's a wee bit in there called Clause 81, and it's caused a little bit of confusion amongst the shooting community. Clause 81 is about making Home Office firearms licensing guidance statutory. But the statutory element is simply there will be a statutory requirement for chief officers of police and firearms licensing departments to have regard to home office guidance. The requirement is not for shooters to follow guidance. The police will not be able to rewrite firearms law or ban guns or whatever else or, or bring in silly new policies. The whole idea behind the Clause 81 is that those police forces that ignore guidance, those police forces that have their own silly wee policies, you can have a 308, but you can't have a 3006, or you can have a treble 2, but not a 223, or those kinds of silly things, or we must check your land, or that kind of thing. Those police forces now will be brought into check by a statutory requirement to read, understand, and follow, or rather have regard to, Home Office licensing guidance. It will bring in standardisation, it should improve licensing practices, it should improve efficiency in licensing teams, and this will be a good thing for shooters. 
One of the issues raised by um, a petition against Clause 81 was the fact that there would be no consultation with shooting interests in terms of the actual wording of guidance. Well, that's not the case. And the, the actual raison d'etre behind the bill itself was about democratic accountability, and the Home Office made it very clear that there will be full consultation on any material changes to licence and guidance itself. Not only that, the shooting organisations through British Shooting Sports Council and others, and petitioners working group, are already consulted widely on changes to licence and guidance. We're very much involved in day-to-day -day work with the police, but we're hopeful of a eventual move to a new firearms consultative uh, committee at home office level. It may not be called that, but that will be a very good thing for the future. Fraser, what was the feedback from your members? I imagine that there was some confusion and you had a few phone calls and, and messages with regard to that. There was to some degree, yeah. Again, um, I, I don't think it was maybe made as clear as what it could have been. Um, some people were just kind of, you know, really, what is this all about? We're unsure. How, how do we, you know, how do we get this implemented, etc. But um, I think it's, I mean, a lot of it's down to communication um, and just the ability to be able to get that out there and say, look, this is what it breaks down to. This is what going to be happening you know obviously there's going to be a degree of compliance involved there i mean pete how important is it do you think that uh, this change goes ahead so that you do have this uniformity of policing and firearms licensing across the board so that somebody in shetland is being treated to the same as you know somebody yeah, I, else I think it's a good thing i mean it's, it's a lot of people uh, in the shooting spots have looked at it as a, a the first of many cuts to, to, to ban what we're doing, but I think it's a good thing. As Alex said, standardisation, it's got to be good. Everybody's going to be off, uh, looking at the same, singing off the same hymn sheet. Uh, transparency, so if, if one uh, licensing department has stepped out of line, you know, everybody's going to know about it, which has got to be good for, for everything that we do. And I think really, the, 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 lastly, is common sense. You know, if they implement it with common sense, then it's got to be a good thing. I'd like to thank um, a particular individual for the work that he's done in the background on this. And he, he doesn't get much thanks at all. Many of us here probably don't even know who he is. His name is David Penn from the British Shooting Sports Council. He's a secretary. And he puts so much work into um, the fight to protect and promote our lawful rights uh, on a very technical level. And it's, it's remarkable the work that he does. He's done an awful lot of work with Basque and others in the background on this. We're very, very thankful for that and you know, we're glad to be part of the British Shooting Sports Council, we're privileged to be part of it and we fully support the work that's happening in the background. It is disappointing that maybe there's been a breakdown of communication but maybe that's our fault. Maybe the, the shooting organisations haven't fully communicated that message well to, to the shooting community. So as we go forward, apart from the fact it would be good to work better together, it would be good to also communicate better together. So we're, we're hopeful that will change. Dave, I don't know if you have anything to add on beyond no. what uh, Fraser said. No, just uh, if, if we've one of the big complaints we've had of people is, as you say, police forces have been implementing or interpreting things in different ways, and uh, if that's a standard standardisation and you know we'd have to follow the rules, yeah, it can all be a good thing, definitely. Mm. Um, one thing that uh, is discussed, I know Pete and I have discussed it before, and if I come to you first, Pete, is the restrictions of calibers that we have in this country where it is maybe seen as, you know, that is, to, to, to quote quite often what you hear, that calibre is too big, you can't, you can't have it. And in terms of public safety, what that, what that really means, 
I know you've got uh, you know, a particular opinion on that, Pete. Well, I think a, a, a 243 or, or a, a 300 Win Mag is going to kill somebody, whichever one it is. It's the guy behind the rifle, so I, don't, you know, I really can't see where calibre restrictions come into it. It's actually the guy who's using that rifle. If he's fit to use a rifle, and it's the calibre that should be fit per, for purpose of what he's actually stalking or, or whatever application that rifle's been engaged for. Mm -hmm. um, Fraser? Um, certainly in the respect of um, the larger calibres, for example, I mean, obviously we've seen uh, quite a lot of the, uh, the shows, uh, the show today rather, and the exhibitors showing things like, for example, the Barrett 50 cal, etc. Um, yeah, it's not really a stalking calibre. Well, <laughs> not really, no, but as I say, again, obviously... Well, not for hoof game, anyway. <laughs> no, no, but uh, again, as I say, um, th 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 there is... You know there, there is purpose for these guns, you know, and, and and I think ultimately, you know, shooters should have the rights to be able to uh, purchase them if they have a, a again a justifiable reason for possession and ownership. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I do the um, HFT with air guns and what have you, but I also have uh, firearms, uh, rim fires, and centre fires. Okay. And uh, I was talking to my FEO a little while ago, and I, I've got up to 308 at the moment, and I asked the question. And I said, well, what's the chance of me getting something bigger? And uh, he said, well, how much land have you got? And I said, I don't know. Three to, three to five and a half thousand acres, and he went, not not a chance, just categorically, straight away. And, well, and on I, any I, basis? I just said, no. You don't have enough land. Is and I was like, how much land do I actually need to buy? You know, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's ridiculous because the constraints they put on you sometimes is just ridiculous. And they're mercurial bunch because one minute they're going, oh, that's a lovely, yeah, you can have that caliber, fine, fine. And the next one, oh, no. And it's very, depending on their mood. And then, I mean, rightly or wrongly, you know, I've done, obviously, I've got a you know, clean bill of health. Uh, I've got um, 10 years with firearms. And if you get them on a good day, you can have pretty much what you want. And the next day, absolutely not. And I don't think there's any uniformity to that. And that really does annoy me because they say about 50 cal. I shot that in America while I was in America. And I loved it, a wonderful gun, brilliant, absolutely amazing. And I thought I'd like to join the 50 cal club. And I, and I phoned them up and they went, you haven't got a chance. Just, that's it. So. Again, you walk away from it, it's such a shame, you know. Alex, I assume that uh, Clause 81 will rectify some of that, or would I be incorrect in saying it, that? It, it, it will help. It's a step along the road of um, better policing in terms of licensing and standardisation of practices, and actually more proportionate um, response from the police, and a better service as well. But it, it, our view at SACS is that it's, it's the Section 1 tests in terms of each calibre authorisation, your ammunition limits, etc., are, are, are ridiculous. Our view is that you know, Section 1 firearms should go back to a Section 2 position. If you are the right person, if you are checked to be medically fit, both of body and mind, if you don't have a criminal background, if you're judged to be of good character, it's, it's about you as an individual. You should be able to buy a 12 bore shotgun, a 410 shotgun, a 22 rimfire, a 303 rifle, a 4570, whatever you want to ha buy. So there shouldn't be restrictions in calibers, that's our view. There shouldn't be restrictions in the amount of ammunition you can buy, that's our view. We need to focus on the licensing of the individual and less about the licensing of bits and bobs of technicality, ammunition, expanding ammunition. Does it expand? Does it not expand? Is it 2-2 magnums, uh, semi-automatics, EU firearms directives? It's about people. Licensing is about people. And we need to go back to that principle. In fact, yeah, yeah I was just we to totally agree with Alex saying, and in fact, I think it's interesting to know. I believe in New Zealand they operate a system where it's basically the person that's licensed, and I've spoken to a few New Zealand shooters. I mean, I believe they've got they've still got SLRs, they've got uh, pistols, and I think they get full auto, and they've got a very low gun crime rate. You know, very low violent crime. I don't think the police routinely carry firearms over there, despite what civilians could own. 
So again, if you've got the right system, I mean, you could reduce costs dramatically by putting a lot of things onto Section 2. You're still, as long as you're vetting the person properly, it would improve licensing and efficiency. It wouldn't be any, would be detrimental to public safety, and it'd be a great way to go forward for everyone, I think. And it's been shown, there's a working example that shows it's not a bad thing. This wasn't on my list, but it's just sort of sprung to mind. And maybe I can start with you, Pete. Is we have seen a, a slight shift, and I think some of it's somewhat come over from America with the, the militarization of how guns look. So you might have something, it's still a 2-2 rifle, it's still a 2-2 rimfire that you go shoot rabbits with, but it now doesn't look like a CZ Bruno. It looks, it looks more tactical. Yeah, it maybe looks like an AK-47. Yeah. But essentially, what it does is exactly the same. What's your view on, on just that aspect of it? Well, <clears throat> to be careful what I say here, but I think really this... Uh, Sport, to make a sporting weapon look, a sporting firearm look like a, a military weapon, I think you know that's got to ask its own questions. I mean, it's, there's a lot of weekend wannabe warriors out there, I guess. That you know, it's fine if you want to go and, and do the S-off thing, which is brilliant, you know. But to, to use that, that that kind of firearm, which looks like a, a military weapon uh, for sporting shooting, and, and I'm a traditionalist too, so you know, looks a little bit crass to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. What right. about CSR? That sort of thing, you know, because they use the like the AR style M16. Yep. So, I mean, do, do, do you agree with that or? Yeah, but uh, uh, as, as I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with it. The, 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 this is a personal view. Yes. I, I, uh, I'm a traditionalist, and I, I don't re even like like composite stocks. You know, I like a wooden rifle stock. He's so. old fashioned, as Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, Baron. <laughs> I think Fraser? it's worth bearing in mind that a lot of this comes down to just furniture on the gun itself, is, it's no, it all true. simply yeah, accessories yeah, that yeah. can be added on. Yeah. If you strip down the rifle to its its basic component parts, you're essentially looking at it being the same rifle. Um, for example, yeah. uh, a Remington 1022 um, has many, many variations on obviously how it can look and be sold. Again, right up to the standard classic design to, as you say, the more military style ones. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to personal taste at the end of the day. I don't think shooters should be ridiculed because um, they, they come up with a particular style of rifle. Um, and I don't think this whole black guns scenario is, you know, it's, it's not quite fair. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, the point I'd like to make on it, I think, and I absolutely agree, it's everybody's choice, but the thing is, the public perception. Yes. That's what we yeah, shouldn't yeah. underestimate. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about public perception. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't perceive game shooting and deer stalking to be good. The public perception of that could be terrible. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you're shooting animals. They don't understand why you need to do it. You know, it's all about conservation and land management. They just see it, oh, you're killing helpless animals. So, I mean, you could be perfect deer stalker using a traditional rifle the public perception could still be terrible so this is where unity comes in you know you should support black gun owners if that's what they're into and in turn they should support deer stalkers because as long as we're obeying the law and we're following best practice it really shouldn't be an issue I mean I myself I wrote a blog post on our website a few years ago it's, you don't need your gun you want it it basically comes down to how many people actually need their guns in this country I mean we, we do target shooting we do clay shooting you don't need your gun unless you carry out pest control or you know, deer stalking so very few people need to own guns in this country but we do it because it's fun and we want to own them and this is where we need, need to just support each other if you're a law-abiding citizen 
if it's not your cup of tea, fine. But you know, we, sh we should support each other. No, I, 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 I absolutely, absolutely agree on supporting each other. But it's 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 that particular firearm in, in the environment it's to be used in. So if, if you've got something that looks like an AK-47 and you're going out there rabbit shooting with it, and it just doesn't fit well for me from the. The, the, it's the uneducated that's looking outside, outside looking in. That's that's where I have the issue with. I'm, I haven't got an issue with guys who, whatever their hobby it, is, what, and yeah. they're enjoying what they're doing. I'll support them 110 percent. But it's the public perception we shouldn't overlook. You think there should be more? We should be a, we should be careful about how we we portray it. Yes. Alex, do you want to come in here? Yeah, we, we fully support people's right to have any kind of furniture and firearms that you want. Um, whatever you want your firearm to look like is entirely up to you. Um, we need to move away from things like how a firearm looks to you know the licensing of the individual behind it. However, there is a balance here. People's perception of those with firearms isn't always the best informed ever. And it's our duty to educate them, to create awareness of the good things. My view is that more people should get firearm certificates or apply for them because you know, we are one of the most law-abiding sectors in the community, firearms and shotguns. Um, more people should apply for certificates and they'll be, you know, we are a good thing. If more people had certificates, maybe there'd be less crime in the UK. Um, so that's another way of looking at it. So um, perception is important. So if you're standing in the Tesco's queue to buy your Sunday newspaper, you just come in stalking, you're wearing your real tree camouflage suit, and you've got blood on your, on your hands and on your trousers. Maybe that's not the wisest thing to do that day. You know what you're doing. You understand that you're doing a very good job in terms of deer control, but you might be upsetting somebody that doesn't fully understand what you do. On the positive side, things like the Into the Wilderness films Thank you are a great way, this is not a plug, it's genuine, are a great way of engaging with an audience that may not be against what we do, but they just don't understand it. So if we, if we can provide them with a bit of um, you know, interesting information, with a, a film that is captivating and you know, like you know, podcast, interesting. like this podcast, Well, like this podcast. <laughs> Then you know they'll, they'll hopefully listen. They can watch. They can start. To, even if they never want to pull a trigger in their lives, at least they can understand what we do and not criticise us unfairly. Roger, what do you think we need to do to um, change public perception about hunting and firearms and gun use in general? I, I think, to be honest, talk about it. I mean, just talk about it. Get the word out there. Uh, show people that, and the amount of people that say to me, "Oh, you shoot these bunnies and this and that and the other." So yeah, but I'm doing a job for my father-in-law, for instance. Yeah, he's like a, a farm and what have you. And so I have to sort of bunnies control and all that. You have to do that. You know, it's just a fact of life. Um, we have too many deer, so we have to cull a few deer. You know, and, and obviously that's what you have to do. And and if you if you, the way it's perceived by a lot of people is it's barbaric, it's this, it's that, it's the other. Well, as we all know, it's not. You know, and it's a fact of country life. Um, but I think the way to publicise it is talk about it. I mean, just and, and get people and, and engage with people that don't like it and say, okay, tell me why, and we and, and just you know, scratch your ideas around. And if you don't talk to, if you if you if you talk, if you keep it to yourself and say I'm going to do it regardless, it's going to get people's back up. We we actually, if you go to the the, the Scott Country stand here, you can actually speak to a 12-year-long vegetarian who was a complete against anti-hunting. And the only reason why she came round is because her current partner now took the time to explain to her why. And when we asked her, why didn't you like it in the first place? Why didn't you eat meat? She said, because I was under the impression uh, that hunting was cruel. 
And then when he actually took me out shooting and explained, you know, we do actually eat most of the stuff that we shoot. Um, and now she's on board with it, goes shooting with them, and she only eats meat that they have actually shot themselves. She, she, won't, she won't eat any farm meat. She won't eat any farm meat, but she'll, she'll meet, now eat meat that they've shot themselves. But Daryl, you've made an interesting point there, because it, this chap's taken the time. Okay, it's his partner, but he's yeah. taken the time. It wasn't at the time, though. All right, okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, no, I, no, well done, good old boy. Maybe there was incentive. <laughs> maybe there was a little <laughs> bit of incentive. <laughs> but, but, but if everybody took the time, if all each and every one of us took the time to try and educate somebody who was prepared to listen, then it would, be, it would make a massive difference. The, the other thing is, uh, okay, public perception is important. We need to think about you know, not so much how we look at ourselves, but we need to think about how other people perceive us. It's very important. But never apologise for shooting and never apologise for hunting. What we do is vital for conservation. We are a safe community in the UK. We're responsible people. And actually, in terms of conservation, the shooting community in the UK does more conservation than all the UK's conservation charities joined together. That is a fact. We need to sell this, don't apologise for what you do, but we have to think about people's perception. And like Pete said, get out there, grab somebody that you think might not understand what we do, feed them rabbit, feed them venison, feed them trout, get them involved. Just talking about public uh, perception, just I was just thinking in my mind on social media, uh, do you think that people need to be a bit more careful about what they're putting on, as in in regards to what they've done is perfectly legal, 100% fine, uh, they've shot something, um, a, a fox for example, but it might not be tasteful to everyone. I, I totally agree. Think? I totally agree. I, I, you look, I mean, I've got lots of friends, luckily, on Facebook, uh, or, or lots of people on Facebook, let's say friends, but um, you see these graphic images of these foxes, and, and yeah, they're obviously a very good shot placement, yeah. and it's done the job. If they showed the entry, it would be lovely. Unfortunately, they don't. They don't you know, the yeah. and, and, it, and people to go, oh, what's going on there? And it's like a car crash. It looks absolutely horrendous. They've not had the full story, though. No, 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 no absolutely right. And, but, but an auntie will see that and go, look at that, that's disgusting. That poor thing suffered. You're like, actually, it didn't at all. I mean, it didn't. It was banged out. But that's, that's not the way people see it. They, they see blood and guts. Oh, that must be bad. Simple as that. Yeah, and it is awful. And, and I think there's too much of that. I'm very mindful of what I put on Facebook, yeah. you know. Fraser, what's your take on the, the importance of uh, perception on social media? Um, social media, as well as media as a whole, um, I think is an interesting point because we've, find, we've found that certainly as Firearms UK, uh, media perception out there, for example, the way uh, organisations like the BBC, for example, perceive shooting, they seem to perceive it in a very, very negative light. Um, which is obviously not what we're looking for. Our page exists on, um, for example, on Facebook, Twitter, and the other social media platforms to take away that um, perception that's been put out that it's a very negative thing. We're putting forward a, a positive spin on it and saying, you know, this is a good thing, it's a sport, it's something we enjoy, it's something people do, it's something we want to continue to do. Dave, what do you say to those, those shooters and hunters who continually continually do this on social media. I mean, I, we well, see it on a fairly... Byron sometimes brought it up, you know. I actually got kicked out of a couple of the groups because they weren't very happy that I brought up the fact that, you know what, guys, you should not be showing this stuff, not because what you're doing is wrong, but because from a public point of view and how the public view it, it doesn't do us any favors. Yeah. And it would be far better to put up um, pictures with an explanation as to why you've done it mm -hmm. and something that I don't like... 
it's, it's, it's very, uh, I'm not explaining it very well when I say something that looks nicer, but that's uh -huh. kind of what I mean. You know, blood and guts not hanging out, a picture of a beautiful fox, and actually show some respect for it. And the response that, you know, we often get, and I, I got in return to that, was quite disgusting, to be honest. And I wouldn't associate myself with, with those people who yeah. call themselves hunters like that. And I think we do, as, as hunters as, and, and shooters, need to take a stance against people and actually pull them up. I, mean, I don't know what you well, think. I do, I agree. I mean, definitely the respect thing is the main thing. I mean, you know, you, do, you should respect your quarry. And by the way, if you want a picture or whatever, you know, try and show it in a respectful light. Don't show it. You wouldn't treat that a dead human like that. You know, try, a bit of respect. But there's also part of saying if you're in a private group and you want to maybe say, I don't see why there should be a problem maybe showing your quarry. But again, if you put an explanation in and a respectful picture, I don't think that's as bad. But we definitely need to be mind, mindful of perception. And as you say, you don't, sometimes you don't know who's in groups. They could be aunties lurking in there, they get these pictures and it's everywhere. At the end of the day, most of these groups are public groups that most yeah, people can just exactly. access. At if any it's point. a very small <laughs> private group of friends, yeah. you know, yeah, it'll be fair enough. But that's different though. You yeah. know, if you've got six friends on a group, you're all best mates with them. Exactly. It's, it's a know. different situation, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, it's the situation we're in. We just we're always kinda out, we're not always on the defence because we're always, you know, people are always out to say, look yeah. at these people. So yeah, definitely need to watch what we do. And um, Pete, you do uh, a lot of filming on the shooting show, and that is something that you must have been. I know because you know, obviously, when we did some of the early filming of it, yeah. it was something that we were definitely conscious of. And I know you, you've carried that forward into the work that you've done recently, including including the magazine. Do you want to just elaborate on that a bit? No, I think the key word there is respect, and, uh, and everybody here agrees on it. It's respect for the animal, and I think. Don't show the car wreck. You know the exit, the exit side of the animal isn't going to be pretty. There's no need to put it out there. If I shoot a deer, I, nearly every every deer that I shoot, book or do, goes on my Facebook page. But I show it respect. It's cleaned up nicely. It's a nice photograph. I'm against a lot of people who say you shouldn't smile. I think you know it's it's the result. It's the end result. We, we've of, talked of, about this yeah. before on the show. Smiling. I haven't got a, prob a problem with the smiling yeah. side of it, but I have got a problem with showing carnage on there. That's unnecessary. And I've got a problem with the people who think it is, you know, what, what? Uh, Well, often when you when you go on the anti pages, the first thing they say is, look at this gleeful hunter standing over what he's just shot because he's smiling. What we've said thousands and thousands of times, you know, they're not smiling because they're, they're happy about they're, the death. About yeah. the death. It's the whole experience that they've just it's gone through. It's a successful through. conclusion yeah, a success in the, the whole experience, the absolutely. Yeah. Well, an interesting, sorry, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, something, yeah. I mean, I've encountered uh, some gentlemen in my work and we had a wee de debates and they were going about shooting and, and I showed them the picture of my first stag you know and like oh you're that's blood flash you don't, need to do, you don't need to do that and all that you know and they said oh, you don't need to go to you, kill animals you can buy it in a supermarket you well, know. of course you but, can buy it in a supermarket but you know the point I said well but they said that you've just got a bloodlust I said well have you ever been fishing and it's interesting that they'll say yeah and then they suddenly uh, realise I've been fishing they've got a picture of a great fish they've caught and yeah. that's totally fine but you know said, if you've shot something there is that again it's about shooting. There seems to be the bias against. We, we, we've we've said this before. We actually we talked about this on a podcast oh, just a week oh well. last week, yeah. and how strange people distinguish between a fish and an animal on land. But at the end of the day, it's exactly the same, exactly. and you should have just as much respect for that fish than you do exactly. for an animal on land. And you're smiling. Because it's not fluffy and cute. I, mean, exactly. I, I find fish quite quite. I don't want to You're going to say attractive, right? <laughs> but I think they're beautiful they animals. They are ah, amazing, so. amazing creatures. And you think the hardship that fish go through in their lives. Yeah. It's, you know, exactly. Incredible. And you're smiling at the end result of a, a good day and they're respectful. Okay. That's why you're smiling. It's not about, it's not about killing at all. You know? Alex? Yeah, uh, fully support Pete and Dave's comments about respect for quarry. It makes sense. You, you, the other side is we must respect each other. 
some of the comments said in social media, you, you wouldn't say them to somebody's face. And it's, it's just, it's not right. So we, we have to think about perception again. Is what you're putting down on social media is equivalent to writing a letter to somebody. That could be construed in the wrong way. So be very, very careful with the words you choose. If you're going to criticize people for um, you know, trying to do the right thing, trying to raise awareness of good practice, you know, look at yourself. Think about, you know, what, why are you trying to justify bad practice in yourself? Is it correct to put up photographs of a fox with his brains blown apart? We all know what a 22340 green VMAX does. Do we have to advertise that on Facebook? No. So what you can do and what you should do are two very different things. I, as I said before, we brought this up a couple of times and it has been the result of me being kicked out of one or two groups because they didn't like the fact, well, in fact, one of them was the fact that I said you need to show some respect to your quarry in, in, in reference to foxes. They didn't seem to understand that concept. But one thing I did see recently which uh, really pleased me was I saw somebody, they put up a, a picture of a, a carcass. Um, it didn't, uh, they took, put up a picture of the carcass and they had a picture of the, the lungs and heart actually taken out of it. And they took the time to explain uh, the range that they had shot it at and a particular bullet which they had never used before. Now, you could, if you were just glancing at the picture, think, oh, you know, there's blood and mess and, and lungs and a heart. And that might, for some people, seem disgusting. But the fact that they had taken the time to put that beside the carcass, show the damage and meat wastage, because they explained this in, say, this is the range I shot at. I've never used these bullets before. And for anybody's interest, this is what they did and this is how they performed. I think that is how we should be behaving. And there is a place for those kind of pictures because it's education. And education yeah, is always yeah. the key. Absolutely. Everyone was nodding their head at what I just said. There, so <laughs> um, just to kind of finish up, and I'm going to come to Pete with this, trophy hunting. Um, trophy hunting is something which we talk about a lot on the podcast because every, every few weeks it comes yeah. up and the main reason for that is that in terms of the phrase trophy hunting it has massively negative connotations in terms of the way it's perceived in the media and, in, and also the beliefs held by the public um, Pete you are also involved in a, um, an anti-poaching organization you can maybe tell us a little bit about that and then go on to explain why trophy hunting is important for the long-term survival of species, especially in Africa. Yeah, I'm a, a hunter-conservationist, and uh, so I, I have a foot in both camps. And hunting is a valuable tool in conservation. Uh, unfortunately, in the modern world, everything is a commodity. The, the minute it ceases to be a commodity, it's valueless, nobody's going to care about it, and that includes wildlife. So whether, whether we monetize wildlife through photography, uh, tourism or hunting as long as the money that is generated from whichever activity is generating that money goes back into conservation I do not have an issue with it and eth ethical conservation ethical hunting as long as it's ethically justified and I can't say that word too much it must be ethical whether that's big game hunting right down to rabbit shooting or squirrel shooting there's got to be an ethical justification for what are you doing and I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. I think it's black and white. But what I do have an issue with is people who are not prepared to listen to rational argument, listen to scientific-based facts, and then make a considered decision. And the word trophy, the word hunting, the word perching, when it all gets rolled together, it makes my blood boil. Mm. Just, um, just to, to, for those people, when we do have people who listen to this podcast who are not hunting, uh, who don't hunt, who don't fish, who are not really involved in the countryside, but they're intrigued by what's going on, 
you as a hunter and you've been a big game hunter, you've done a lot of hunting in Africa and around the world, just elaborate on your role within this, the, the anti-hunting and anti, sorry, anti-hunting, slip anti of the tongue there, anti-poaching organization, which you, you helped set up. Yeah, it's so I think that's really important for people to see, you know, here's a guy, Pete Carr, you can go and Google him, I'm sure you'll find pictures of all manner of game he shot around the world, but you, you set this up off your own back. Yeah, I was one of the founders of the Endangered Species Protection Agency, uh, which is specifically formed uh, to protect endangered species, it's all in the name, uh, and there's a, a the problem that everybody's heard about at the moment is the rhino perching and within the next 10 years never mind 20 years if we don't stop what's happening now to the rhino they will go extinct we mulled this initiative over and we launched it and it's gone very 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 well involved in a a project in Swaziland and thankfully since we've been training the rangers out there there's been no poaching. Swaziland hasn't lost a rhino and they've got a very very good track record in Swaziland uh, for, for uh, anti-perching. The ranger service there at the big game parks, it's uh, the king's mandate to, to look after the game of, the, uh, of Swaziland. North of Swaziland you've got uh, the Kruger National Park which more than half the rhinos that are killed on an annual basis come out of the Kruger Park. But the Kruger Park's a big place, it's you know, kind of the size, size of Wales, you know. And south of there you've got uh, KZN, another heavily perched area. And then of course on the eastern boundary you've got Mozambique, which where all the perchers, are, the majority of the perchers are coming from. Seasons bush fighters are going in there for nothing else but money. Ruthless murderers of both people and rhinos just doing it solely for financial gain. But where does, where does hunting itself fit into the protection of such species? Well, it's the money generated from that. And it's a very, if we use Kenya and, and, and what's happened in Botswana just recently, Kenya stopped hunting in, in the, the 70s. And then all the professional hunters, which policed the area, the, the, the animals actually had monetary value and a lot of money went back into conservation. Hunting was banned. The PHs moved out. They, they, they actually, a lot of them set up in Botswana. But elephant perching rocketed. Once the hunting was taken out of the equation, poaching rocketed. They've just stopped, recently stopped uh, big game hunting in Botswana, and I can see exactly the same thing happening there. It's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fraser, what's, what's your take on, on the public perception and what we see with regard to the, the phrase trophy hunting? I mean, we, there's actually been quite a lot in the media in the last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, Digger, Digger, Diggory was on, Piers Morgan, yeah. Morgan. I don't know if you saw that interview. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> again public perception and again the media the way it's perceived it, it is generally perceived to be very negative I mean obviously we saw the situation whereby the dentist shot the lion and that was obviously don't mention Cecil absolutely <laughs> no, no, no. this is it and, and I mean that that was huge I mean ultimately he was just a hunter that was going out and you know he he went into it in, in good faith and ultimately then had this huge ridicule associated and with it. And everything he did was legal. Exactly, exactly. Only, from, from, our, from my understanding of looking into it, I think the only thing that he really did which was stupid and wrong was try and hide the fact he had shot a collared li uh, a lion. But there was actually nothing wrong with shooting the collared lion in the first place because that happens and that's how they get their information. Exactly, exactly. Actually, I've got something I'd like to add to that. I looked into this in some depth and spent three days on, on regional and national radio trying to actually win some ground back for, for professional ethical hunting. And uh, I, I do believe there was no lion uh, quota left in this concession. So everything was down to the pH. 
this Walter Palmer, I believe the chap's name was, uh, he booked the hunt on good faith, but there's a lot come out since. He'd also a similar situation with a with a bear without a tag in the state, so he's kind of not as white as perhaps he'd like to uh, the world to believe. But this whole we get back to this canned lion hunting, which this was a semi-tame lion, baited out of a national park area with a collar on. Now, you know, he was quite close to. I think it was 15 yards away from this animal and uh, okay it's a maned lion but you, you're gonna see one of these big collars surely you know there's a, there's a lot of things that really don't, don't stack up there but canned lion hunting is the worst thing that's ever happened to big game hunting and even Faza, the South African Professional yeah, yeah. Hunters Association have stepped away from captive breeding of big cats for the hunting industry I thought, well, Shooting he, a semi-tame cat. Quotation marks there yeah. for people listening. Yeah. You know, shooting a semi-tame cat that's been released four days into a, an enclosed area, and then it's just wrong. It's just absolutely it's, wrong. It's not. It's not really hunting, it's not is hunting. it? It's uh, not and hunting. I think any true hunter would absolutely agree by that yeah. and stand by it. And I know that certainly the professional hunters that I associate with and who are friends of mine across Africa, and I'm sure the same is true of you, Pete. Uh, even when maybe a blind eye was turned to cat hunting, they would have nothing to do with it. Yeah. But it, but it sticks. The problem is this, this terminology sticks to ethical hunting. Yeah. You know. Alex, do you have uh, just anything to add to the, the, the trophy hunting perception and what we can maybe do to try and fix that? I think the important thing for us to do is to, for those celebrities that support the anti-hunting, the anti-trophy hunting stands, often for selfish, self-publicizing reasons, we should call them out. We should call them out in facts, evidence. We should call them out on um, the African governments themselves, which support hunting for various uh, various economic reasons. We should make sure that the communities in these African areas where hunting is, is taking place speak for themselves. Is hunting good for them in the local communities? So the Angus Glen's Moorland Group type setup, where local communities talk about the good work happening in their area in terms of hunting, shooting, fishing, other uh, rural interests, perhaps that's something for the future in Africa. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. I hadn't actually thought of that. Yeah. Good model to follow, absolutely. Okay. Just, just, just touching on that, has, has everyone around the table seen some of the Merlin Group associations up in Scotland and what they've been set up with? Fraser, have you, have you caught that on social media at all? Uh, not as yet, no. As no, I okay. say, so um, it's yeah. something, something to check out. Pete, you've, you've yeah, we've got it in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have, haven't you? Yeah. Hey, what, a good initiative and do you think it's working yeah absolutely it's all about education it, it, it is education because it, 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 I use the term ignorant and it's not ignorance by choice but uh, people that are prepared to listen let's educate them and the only way by doing that is getting media time and putting a, you know a credible argument across let me let, let people make their own considered decision based on factual evidence Roger do you have uh, anything to add on this discussion no. I don't like the idea of like, shooting tame lions, I've got to be honest. No, no, I think, I think that's <laughs> I'm not big on that. Consensus agreement <laughs> around the table. <laughs> like. Yeah, calling it in, go <laughs> and then shooting it. No, not a bit of me, I'm afraid. No. Just to, uh, just to finish up on there, on a, on a much lighter note, we're at the Northern Shooting Show. It's the first time this has been held. If I just go around the table, what's the feeling been here? Has it been a success? Are you going to be coming next year? If I start with you, Dave. Oh, yeah, well, it's been an absolutely fantastic experience. Uh, as you can probably tell, the weather's been great. I'm a wee bit burnt, so uh, <laughs> I did notice. not used to that. But, uh, no, it's been great. I've uh, got to try a few different firearms, seen a few different stalls, and, uh, you know, I speak very highly of it. I'd come back next year in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. 
really has. I'm looking forward to the next big event, which is the UK Game Fair, 22nd, 24th July at Sternley. And you'll be back here again next year? Yeah, definitely back here again this next year. This is almost year. home territory for you, Pete. Yeah, it is. Hey, listen, I'm from Yorkshire and the people around here can't understand me. <laughs> Fraser? Absolutely. You're very burnt. The, the show, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got fried You're well. Uh, yeah, um, obviously, from our perspective, we've been uh, doing a lot of, uh, you know, sort of flyering, making sure people are, are aware of us. Um, the general response has been really, really positive. Um, the show itself has been great. This is my first opportunity to come down here and it's been excellent. Um, certainly, uh, We'll hopefully maybe try and get on the, uh, the the next one up in Schoon in Scotland. It's been fantastic. We've seen so many smiley faces, people queuing up for burgers and hog roast baps and chatting about the event itself and the venue. The venue's great, the crowds are fantastic, the traders are great, the second-hand guns, new guns, archery, air gunning. The best thing for me, were well, two good things for me. One was seeing a young lady and her um, uh, boy walking down the steps towards Hall 2. And in the lady's rucksack was a bow and arrow. And the young I boy, saw that. I saw, I saw that, that as well. Yeah, yeah, you were there with me. And um, he was just looking up towards a bow and arrow in his mother's rucksack. And that was me as a kid, looking up there, can't wait to go home and use it. But the other thing was heading down to pick up Roger from the air gunning um, uh, so ranges. Busy down it's there, so busy. There, there. Very much so. Yeah. People smiling. You you walk down the the raceway to get to it, and it's, you hear the laughter in the distance. And it's it's great fun. It's really safe. The sun's shining. Next year's gonna be even better. Roger, just finishing up with you. You've got the final word. Oh well, makes a change. Um, <laughs> as he looks at his wedding ring. Um, the uh, situation for us, we turned up and we, we wanted a few people, obviously. We wanted to sort of show people what, what air gunning's about. It's a basic introduction, and, and I'm overwhelmed, absolutely at the, overwhelmed. At the end of the day, that's where most people start. That's yeah, absolutely. We, that's where we started. Yeah. And then people have come along and they've said, I've never shot an air gun before, yeah. right? Can we shoot one? Of course you can. You know, so we took them on the course, you know, they shot a few targets. And uh, I think it was four people yesterday went straight from us, straight to a manufacturer, and then bought a gun oh, straight away. That's and then tremendous. came back and said, there you go, right? Can That's I shoot tomorrow? That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were absolutely loving it. They're now the second round of the competition is going on as we speak. And the four people that bought them yesterday are now shooting the competition. Really? Yeah, fantastic. Now, I mean, there you go. So for me, I mean, you know, tick the box, doesn't it? You know, yeah. so I'm very, very happy with that. And so I say, Simon Moore from BSA, I've obviously been sending them his way. And he, uh, he officially loves me. He officially <laughs> loves me. You, you, when you walk around the show, the air gun is, you would say, the busiest. Yeah, the I air think gun, so. uh, the hall, and the stands where everyone's shooting I is the, so. the busiest in, in the place. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's, not, it's nice that the people, so they, go, they go and look at an air gun, and then they come down to like, the competition that's going on at the moment. They'll look at an air gun, I think, well, I've just seen that. Actually, that guy looks like he's, you know, he might be all right. Then he gets the target down the chat, and they go, right, I want that gun. I definitely want to go and buy that gun straight away. And then flies up, buys it, and then, so hopefully we'll see them at the next so round. How do people get involved in the competition? Uh, register online. Uh, you know, the shooting the breeze. We go. It's like an HFT forum, and you go in there, um, put your name down, and then come along. It's brilliant. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time out today to speak to us. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. you. thank you very much. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Pete. Lose the beard. <laughs> Is that a beard that you have? <laughs> it's well manicured. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for tuning into the show and a massive thank you to the literally thousands of people that downloaded our show in the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been quite incredible and we can only keep on doing what we're doing by the support of the, the people Listening. who listen to it and of course the, the support of um, the support of our supporter, which is Sax.
Yeah, no, I mean, we do this show for you guys to listen to. And yeah, you listen and you, you engage with us and that's the way it works. So if anything whatsoever, just contact us. Yeah, we really do enjoy hearing from yeah. from everybody who's uh, oh, listening. And I'm going to ask, guys, because they've slowed down a little bit. Reviews. Oh, yeah. Can you keep leaving reviews on iTunes, please? It really does help us. And we're now ranked 16th in the, the outdoor section for podcast for new and noteworthy. Globally. Globally. So we our aim is to get to number one. We've now destroyed the Orvis podcast. <laughs> we're ahead of that now. It's only taken us a wee while. And yeah, so we are in fact the top the top um, countryside hunting one in the UK. Well, no, in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, that's news to me. That's good news. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, we promised that we would give you the details of how to enter the competition to win the Caldwell Emax Low Profile Ear Defenders. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding them up to the screen right now. If you want to see what they look like check out our facebook page we'll have better pictures up yeah uh, in fact we're going to do a video on it like we've done with everything so you'll be able to see um now you would like to know how to enter daryl okay guys we like to make you work a little bit for it because uh well you have to this week well for the next two weeks we're going to ask for a video so all you need to do is get your selfie stick out or whatever you We'll get someone to hold, hold the camera video. or hold it yourself or do whatever you need to do. Send us a video of whatever you are doing outside. I don't want it inside the house. Yeah, it has to be outside. It has to be outside. Whatever you are doing, if you're walking, walking the dogs, uh, shooting or fishing, fishing, anything. On a mountaintop. On a mountain. Better. It doesn't matter. In fact, the cooler the location, the better. Yeah. But we like dogs as well, guys. Yeah. But we don't. Yeah, we like dogs. But uh, yeah, so all you need to do. To make it as short as you want, 10 seconds. So no shorter than 10, actually, at least 10. Uh, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and yeah, tell us what what show you've liked the most so far. Yeah, tell us where you are as well. Cause we'd yeah, like tell to us know. where you are, what show you've liked the most so far, and then all you need to do is fire that onto our Facebook page, and we will see that. And for the non-Facebook users, you can email it to us at podcast at paceproductionsuk.com it will be in the description the email address you can email it to us or if you don't want to do any of those you can actually upload it to youtube and just send us the link if you or want. instagram actually or yeah in fact guys uh, you can make a 10 15 second video and put it on instagram and then just tag us in it and we will see it yeah so there is lots of ways to do it and it will be the pin post at the top of our facebook page for the next two weeks so you can get all the details there or you can just re-listen to the podcast and all the details will be in the description as well and that's it i think i believe that is for two weeks for two weeks so leave us a review and remember for the people that are watching all over the different platforms there might be a better platform for you to listen on so you can get it on itunes soundcloud stitcher youtube and tune in radio mm-hmm Uh, This podcast is supported by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. You heard from the director, Alex, at the very start of the show. If you want to know any more about air guns, then have a look at the PDFs that we're going to provide on the website, um, thepacebrothers.com. You can also check out all of that content on the SACS Facebook page. And if you really have a burning question that you don't know the answer to, give them a call. Um, Just Google Sachs, get their number, 
and someone in the office will pick up the phone and they will, I am sure, be able to answer whatever question you have. Yep. Thank you very much for listening and see you in two weeks' time.